0: episode of The Blood Dream. Welcome aboard streamers, this is episode 24 of The Bloodstream, I am your host Jason Gray, and this week we are taking a look at the brand new Michael Flanagan movie, Before I Wake. Now, technically it's not brand new, but it kinda got lost in the shuffle in release hell, and only recently did Netflix decide to give it a break and release it early January. As I've mentioned on previous episodes, I'm a huge fan of Michael Flanagan. I have yet to see a movie of his I do not like, so I decided to check out Before I Wake. And since this is a new-ish release and not a lot of people have seen it yet, this is going to be yet another episode where I kind of get vague towards the end and the episode will be on the short side, which should give everyone a little bit of joy. The gist of the plot is a family who has recently suffered a tragedy, takes in a child that's been bouncing around the foster system for who knows how long, and eventually things start to get a little strange when when mysterious apparitions begin appearing around their house, and it all ties back to the kid causing these visions while he sleeps. And that could be all well and good, dreams are relatively harmless, they're not going to do anything, but what happens when the kid has a nightmare? It all sounds fairly simple, but Michael Flanagan brings his usual flair to things, and I've talked about the movie enough for now, so I'm just gonna get right to the trailer and I'll be right back. You ready?
1: I think so. Cody, this is Mr. and Mrs. Hobson. Hi there. Good morning. He likes butterflies. I love this room. I think he'll make wonderful foster parents. Who's that? That's our son, Sean. Where is he? He's in heaven. Try and get some sleep, Cody. Good night. It's real. You saw him. Let's welcome Cody. Welcome, Cody. Why do you have these pills, Cody? I don't like to sleep. My dreams. What happens when you dream? Something's not right. I have to find out more about Cody's dreams. You've heard this before. Your son doesn't want to sleep. That little boy's dreams come true. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. But it's nightmares. It's here. Dangerous. Deadly. You have to ask your son a few questions. No, no. We can't let him sleep. Wake up. We promised to take care of that child.
0: No! I'm away. I'm away! I'm away! Cody. The movie starts off right out of the gate with this guy threatening to shoot Cody while the kid sleeps. And that is a great, stunning way to really grab your attention, because what is going on with wanting to shoot a kid while he sleeps, right? So that doesn't go over too well with social workers. Cody gets taken away, and... Oh, hey there, Agent Reyes! Yes, it's Annabeth Gish playing the lead social worker who's trying to get Cody placed in a home. And we're introduced to, uh, mom and dad Frank Castle and Lois Lane. Uh, their their actual names are Mark and Jesse, but... I'm sure I'm gonna screw up at some point. Anyways, this family, like I said, has recently suffered the loss of their own child and they're dealing with that and they're just starting to get past things. One of them a little better than the other. That's fine, we all grieve in our own ways. So the family agrees to bring in Cody and we'll see how that goes. The process of interviewing the family is a little interesting and gives you a lot of insight into the family so I'm gonna drop that in as the first clip.
1: I've had a case come back across my desk that could be a very good fit. Cody, he's eight. His birth mother died when he was three and we placed him with a couple that, it turned out, weren't fit. The second couple we placed him with abandoned him. Oh my God. When I went for his annual follow-up, I found him living alone in the apartment. Alone? For almost a month, we think. Neighbors called once he started going door to door. Look, I like this kid. We're not supposed to have opinions like that, but I do. He's resourceful, he's resilient. I'm not saying these things haven't affected him. He's guarded, he has sleep issues. Of course. But for all he's been through, he hasn't let it turn him into a victim. Which is what made me think of the two of you. Hmm. Now that you've been approved, I think you'll make wonderful foster parents. My question for you is, are you ready for this?
0: The movie goes a little slow burn on us for a bit, but it's not boring because we're hanging out with Mark and Jesse and Cody as he moves into the house, they show him around. We learn about their son, Sean, who passed away not too long ago. And it's a good way to get to know the family, and like I said, it's a slow burn. We get to find out a lot about the kid, you know, he likes butterflies, he has this kind of personal boogeyman who, yes, does show up a little bit later. But don't worry, it's not long before the weird stuff starts happening. It begins with an infestation of strange glowing butterflies that permeate throughout the entire home, and it could almost be brushed away as just literally this strange infestation coming through the house. But Mark undeniably sees one outright disappear from where it couldn't have escaped from, and they know something's not quite right here. Still easy to brush away as, well, we're seeing things, not sleeping well, things are a little weird. Late one night, Jessie thinks she starts seeing her dead son lurking around the house. And this movie loves playing with light and shadow, as any really good horror movie does. It does a lot of the tricks where you see things in the deep background, you just barely see it like out of the corner of your eye and then it disappears when someone passes by in front of the camera. It's a classic trick, but it's used really well here and it really works with the nature of the story. Which is kind of what they do with just brushing aside Jesse seeing her son, it's, like I said, all in her head, she's not sleeping well, it might have been a dream. We all know how those areas of waking and sleeping can get, can get a little fuzzy and no matter how sure you are you're awake, maybe not. Plus with all the grief, it can be kind of a waking dream, they get into that a little more later in the film too. And this all leads into Cody asking about the little boy in the pictures around the house. And that starts off a good discussion about who Sean was, what Heaven is, and that'll be the next clip. Hey, Belle.
1: How you doing? You alright? Who's that? Well, it's our son. His name was Sean. He's in heaven. That's where my mom is. Tell me, what was she like? I don't remember her. I had a trunk go to heaven. We wish he hadn't. Like I'm sure you wish your mama hadn't. He
0: looks fun. Mark and Jesse aren't dumb and they kinda piece together really quickly that whatever is going on with these apparitions in their house, it's all connected to Cody. And while seeing their son again is great and all, things start to take a dark turn when the canker man, Cody's boogeyman, starts to make it his appearances. The appearances by Sean start to affect each of the parents in different ways. Jessie starts to become more manipulative. She wants to see her son more. She's not as far along in the grieving process, and she's not ready to let him go. So she starts taking stuff out of storage and putting it around the house that has, you know, pictures of Sean to try to get him more in Cody's mind so it'll be there when he sleeps and they'll see their son more, hopefully. Mark is against all this because he's finally been moving on. He's the one that's been pushing to put the stuff away and get on with their lives and he feels like this whole thing is a step backwards i mean yes he would love to see his son again but this isn't really him it's not real it really is little more than a dream made manifest there is a great horror moment when cody passes out at school and the local bully comes over just in time to face the Cankerman. the Cankerman is creepy enough on his own But when another student comes along down the hallway and witnesses the attack, the way the thing moves, the way it defies normal biology, it's super effective and really horrific. And even though I was watching this in the daylight, it freaked me the hell out. On the downside, it does get a little bit CGI-ish at times, but overall they use it just right and it looks really good. And now that bad things have started happening in Cody's life, the nightmares are beginning, because it's kind of one of those cycle things. Something bad happens, he has a nightmare, he doesn't want to sleep, which leads to more bad things, which leads to more nightmares, etc, etc. And when dreams can come true, what of our nightmares? The kid is trying desperately to stay awake because he doesn't want to go to sleep and have nightmares, because he knows what the canker man is doing, he knows what's going on with him. The doctors prescribe some sleep meds, and Jesse is more than happy to slip those into his drink and get him extra sleepy. Which is the perfect time for the man to show up in the Hobson house. He does so, he attacks, and they try to wake Cody up, but because he had a few too many meds, oops, they can't. Before the monster goes away, he actually absorbs Mark into him, and he's just gone. And it's another really great, effective moment of horror as Mark is pulled into this monster. So Cody gets taken away because the husband has mysteriously disappeared, the wife is the obvious suspect, not to mention the over of the kid. This all leads Jesse on a quest to figure out what the heck is going on, and she finds the foster parent from the start of the movie who tried to blow away Cody. They sit down, have a chat, and that'll be the next clip. What can I do for you?
1: I'm here to talk about Cody Morgan. says here that you and your wife, Catherine, fostered Cody for 15 months before he was given to a Peter and Doris Clemens. Wouldn't know about them. They disappeared a year ago, much like your wife. What are we talking about here, miss? We're talking about what happens when he dreams. I've seen it too. You have now. watched it. Take my husband. I wouldn't say that around here. To fit you for slippers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I am wasting no, your time. No, no, wait. I'm sorry. You can only hear you're crazy for so long before you start to believe it. Please. That little boy's dreams come true. Real and true. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. With so many nightmares. And they're dangerous. at all, it's only in Cody's mind. How do you know that? Katie and I fostered two kids before Cody. His mother had died, no other family. He was sweet, independent, an artist, I thought. Started with the butterflies. That went on for a few weeks. We thought it was magical. And then Katie got sick, had a bad flu. And it seemed to really upset Cody. I couldn't do it. If I had, your husband would be alive. That other family would be alive. Maybe you can succeed where I failed. No. No. It's the only way. Thank you for your time. And I'm sorry for your loss as well. Do you really want to bet your life that an eight-year-old won't have another nightmare?
0: While Jessie goes about her research, Cody goes back to the foster home and is still refusing to sleep. He's tired of people dying or at least disappearing because of him. And the people at the foster home have him forcibly sedated. Oh, this is not going to end well. But. This is the point where I'm going to back off and I'm not going to spoil anything else. You're just going to have to see the movie for yourself. Once again, Mark Flanagan does a great job of taking classic horror tropes and seeing them through a different lens. He takes a lot of familiar ideas, remixes them, and he just tells such fascinating stories. Even my brief description of what has already gone on doesn't do the movie justice because there are layers. There's symbolism and imagery that doesn't get explained until later in the movie and why what we see coming out in the dreams and nightmares is what we see is so wonderfully explained and such a great story. There's this line in the film and I'm just going to paraphrase the concept. It's that wonderful idea of once you understand something you take away its power and that is really the, the whole crux of the ideas here. And it just presented so wonderfully and so touching, and it all comes together so wonderfully that this might actually be my second favorite Mike Flanagan movie. Oculus is still probably my favorite, and I might be just a little bit biased because of Karen Gillan on that one. But I think that one works a little bit better because of the presentation of the backstory and the rules of the mirror. It had just done so amazingly well. I think that is what makes Flanagan's movies work so very well. He sets up rules, he sets up backstory, and he just knows how to weave a story and have everything come together at the end. I would almost say he's the horror movie equivalent of Edgar Wright, who also has that marvelous way of just taking so much and weaving it all together so perfectly. It really is a no-brainer that if it's a Mike Flanagan film, you should go see it, or watch it on netflix in this instance you don't really need my review on this thing but those are my thoughts Tom jane and kate bosworth do such wonderful jobs as the grieving parents and they do such great work selling both of their grieving processes and how that conflicts with each other and the story of why this is happening to him is so heartbreaking and he does it so well You know what? I'm just going to stop gushing because I could go on for days. You get the idea. This is a great movie. Go watch it. This has been episode 24 of The Bloodstream. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, you can find us on iTunes where you can get more episodes. You can subscribe, like, and review the show there. That's a big help and much appreciated. We've also got a Facebook page. Just search for The Bloodstream and join in the fun. I've got a site on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. You can find all the shows at triskadecafiles.com, as well as the written word reviews I do. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions for the show, movies you want me to watch, you can leave a comment on any of those places and I'll do what I can. Or you can always send me an email at phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X, at gmail.com, that's phoenix with an F. So once again, thanks for listening, and keep streaming.